0: To episode 142 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I don't know when you are listening to it, but we are recording it right after Thanksgiving. So, a quick happy Thanksgiving to all of our uh, American uh, listeners. We've got a ton of news uh, to get through today, so we can jump right into it. But before we do that, just want to introduce my co host,
1: for the episode.
0: The amazing
1: Seth Singleton. How you doing, Seth? I'm good, man. I'm glad we're both here after Thanksgiving. It sounds like you survived yesterday, yeah?
0: Yeah. Were you adventuring
1: yeah, out and uh, yeah. getting some deals?
0: <laughs> yeah, I must have been online, but yeah, I got a few things.
1: <laughs> yeah, I went online and did a few things. Out in public, I i am am I don't know, my agoraphobia kicks in and I'm like, yeah, I'll be home. I'll be yeah. home. <laughs> And I'll be home. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, man, why don't you rock us through this list? Because you you weren't Um, joking. We got a serious amount, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of news this week. And let's start uh, with the movie news. Uh, You know, a little while ago, a few weeks ago, we got the first uh, synopsis of the Batman. And now we get a little bit more detailed uh, synopsis. Uh, What was your what was your take on this?
1: Well, I'm intrigued because I I was already interested last time that we were talking about the synopsis and that whole idea of like, okay you know, how is this different from any other take on Batman? And I kind of went towards the whole, you know, what it means to be a detective digging into the dark stuff. How messy does it get in your own brain, especially when you're already, you know, dealing with the psychological issue of losing your parents in a very painful and traumatic way that leads you to become this vengeful figure. Now we're talking about the fact that in this new synopsis we know that he's been out and about for about two years. So for those who have been pointing at this being a storyline taking place around then that's been confirmed. But also this idea that you know he only has a few allies and in order to solve this crime he has to Get maybe a little dirty or at least get some muck on him dealing with the criminal underground. And I, I think that's going to be where I'm hoping the challenge really comes into play for Batman in this movie and for Robert Patton's portrayal. The idea of what happens when you've been two years just the menacing figure. But this time you got to do a deal like you got to you have to find a way to compromise a little bit in order to get what you need. You have to work with some of those that you Absolutely despise, makes your blood boil, you know, and are going to kind of push you to see how much you're willing to go. It was one of the things I always enjoyed about Arrow is they would constantly put him in these situations where he's got to do these deeds for these people where you're like, ah, wouldn't it be easier to just, you know, I mean, he's Arrow. So just kill him. You know, you got to imagine with Robert and it's like, can't my Batman just beat him up? But that's the psychological challenge. How can you find a way to. Put that aside, put your own personal ego aside and do what needs to be done to save lives. In this case, stop a uh, a serial mastermind who's going after the elite. These could potentially be portrayed as, as friends and close friends of his. I mean, I think it really pushes that psychological envelope so those were the things i was kind of taken from but i could be all hopped up from you know turkey and well, actually we didn't have turkey but prime rib and potatoes and gravy and you know how that stuff can get <laughs> in your blood so what do you think brad uh
0: you know uh, we've heard talk about how this is going to be a different version of batman than we've ever seen And it's obviously it's going to be dark and like you were saying, psychological, and it is kind of a younger, raw Batman. But I think what we might be getting to is a different version of Gotham City than we've ever seen before. Uh, It seems like it's really going to get into the nitty gritty of how the power structures in Gotham City work and who's holding the keys and, uh, you know, I, I think we might be surprised how Gotham itself is structured and seen in in this movie. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. And, you know, every bit of news that we talk about just makes me more excited for it. And uh, I've, I've heard it kind of described as very similar to Seven. So this synopsis kind of doesn't disprove that at all. So this should be... Uh, a, a, a dark journey in a city that is very corrupt and kind of rotting from the inside. So, yeah, man, I I am so excited for this. I think it really seems like Matt Reeves and the cast and crew really know what they are doing and they have a certain vision that they want to get across and that they are really going to go Ahead had to do that and they know how to do it. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited for this. And this synopsis really just got me more excited. And in our second bit of news, uh, J.K. Simmons has uh, talked about uh, appearing as Jim Gordon in Batgirl. Uh, what uh, what did you think of this?
1: I think it's such a great decision as I'm invaded by my dogs and you might hear some slobbering snoring. That's not me most of it. Most of it's them. There could be some from me. Um, I think one of the great things about Batgirl is the dynamic she has with her father as his daughter and as a crime fighter who works with vigilantes that he works with, but certainly doesn't want his daughter to be doing the same kind of work. And I also think that what I really like about this fact is that This announcement for the movie lets us know that we're going to, as they describe it, get a fleshed out Jim Gordon, you know, get to see someone who's probably not quite the Harley Quinn version we saw from the animated series, but definitely has more personality that that there's been a lot of great history written about Jim Gordon from where he came from to the challenges he faced in a corrupt city like Gotham to the few alliances he was able to make but but also how you know there were always the challenges with wow that dog's getting loud <laughs> with the uh with the whole you know relationship strain that being you know a top level police officer investigator it, there there's a lot that he has had to manage in order to be the the guy we've come to know and love as Batman's ally and we're going to get to see more of that in this Batgirl movie, and um or project, and I'm also looking forward to the fact that I want to see this really great dynamic that I've enjoyed in comics, which is what it means for the two of them to communicate as father and daughter, and as Jim Gordon and Batgirl, and I, I think that's going to be a really great experience for fans, and I'm looking forward to it as one of those. What do you think, Brad?
0: Uh, you know, th- there are a couple things that jumped out at me, um, and I, I, I do appreciate your deep analysis of the character. But what jumped out at me about this was the fact, one, first, is that they are getting started in January to film this. So that means that this is moving right along and we're going to get to see this semi on the sooner side. So I, I really like that idea that it's that it's really, really coming along. And second, is he said that he's looking forward to being the what would how did he word it the once and future Jim Gordon? So hmm, that makes me curious. Uh, does he know something we don't as far as the future of what DC is planning with this movie? And maybe maybe just maybe uh, some kind of Snyderverse thing where he can come back. So I don't know. I, I was very very curious about that. So that's that's what that's what jumped out to me about this so you know we'll see we'll see and that's and i think that that's part of the fun of being a fan of this kind of stuff is all the speculation and the what ifs about it so yeah but this again this is another one that I'm, I'm looking forward to also this week uh we did get to see the first folding trailer uh for the league of super pets uh, did you have uh, a chance to watch this
1: Yeah, it did. This was absolutely adorable. And I I really think it did a great job of setting up the expectation for what this movie is going to be and what it's going to focus on. And the idea of (laughs) the overly enthusiastic crypto who Dwayne Johnson portrays as a very straight and narrow by the book, this is how you do heroing. And then this idea of these animals from a shelter suddenly exposed to a power source that grants them powers and how he basically has to try in his mind to teach them how to be good super- superheroes and how they're going to teach him, I'm sure, a few things along the way. And then the, the hammer, like the, the one that drives the nail in for me, there is a turtle named Shell on Wheels. Come on. Come on, man. Like, how do you not get down for that? That's my new flash. That's my, uh, you know, (laughs) that's my we've imposed a human personality onto a creature. We've made it super fast and we've done it ironically through a turtle. Like, I'm so down with that. That brings my, you know, uh, oh, God. What's the movie? It's good. never ending story. That brings never ending story like back to life for me yeah, in a really yeah. fun way, and mixes it with the flash and right. Like, how do you not yeah. love this stuff? <laughs> Everything else about it's adorable. All the voices. Uh, you know, Brad, take it away, my friend. <laughs> I yeah,
0: I did love the idea of a of a turtle in the Speed Force. That's just so great, and that name is perfect. Uh, the voice cast looks like they're really getting into it and doing a great job. Kevin Hart, he's going to be hilarious. And uh, The Rock is coming across with, uh, you know, I think you said the word enthusiasm, but enthusiasm and almost innocence. And, you know, these characters that they're introducing, these other animals seem like they're going to be a lot of fun as well. And I think that this is going to have a lot for the adults as as well as the kids. So, yeah, I will. I will probably be seeing this in the theater for sure. Uh, it, uh you know, I think it's definitely what I was expecting, but I wasn't necessarily expecting these new characters. So that was, that was kind of a surprise with this trailer. And DC, if you're listening, for an idea that I would love, but hear me out, <laughs> Garth Ennis writing a Black Label series starring
1: these characters.
0: Bad idea but I love it.
1: <laughs> um, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a Garth Ennis take on stray dogs, right? Like, come yeah. on, like yeah. just spin those two.
0: <laughs> and he did write that series. Uh, uh, the dog was called Charlie. I forget what the series was called. It was about these dogs after a nuclear apocalypse. I'm telling NDC you, you he would do a great job, and I would read it up, so please. <laughs> and next, uh, we got an interview... Uh, with uh, Henry Campbell, where he talks a little, about, a little bit about um, his role as Superman, his understanding of the character. Uh, so, what do you think of this interview?
1: Oh, it was great. It reminded me of some snippets that we got, and I think it was last week, where he had talked about some of these ideas. But seeing the video was really enjoyable because um it it captured a little bit more for me it 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 gave me his voice i mean it's always sort of fun when you realize certain actors have an accent that you don't hear in their uh, cinematic projects and then you do and you're like hey (laughs) but i also have come to recognize it so it was really great to hear things told in his own words and man um, the ideas he was expressing you know what his goal was for and still is for Man of Steel, the idea that there could be a dark path in the future. But before we get to that, let's establish all of these things that fortify who he is as a force for good, as hope. And I think that was great hearing him mention hope on a few occasions. But the challenges to it, the understanding that he had after Man of Steel and the lessons that he learned in the process, you know, the idea of would he kill again? Would he, you know, go into such a violent battle in a popular area? Um, man, that, that scene with Costner still to this day brings tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, that moment of his dad saying, like, don't date my life. You know, the world's not ready yet and I'm not worth the risk. I mean, uh, beautiful stuff, you know, and, and lovely the way he you know, expressed that understanding of then saying, but at some point saying... Sorry, Dad, you're wrong. Um, I'm going to do this and I'm going to stand for all of the good, even though the world isn't going to appreciate me for it. Like really, really powerful, you know, suggestions for for things to build on later for the darkness and then later for as he describes it, the redemption. And he feels very passionate about it. Like He can hear certain things in people's voices when they're talking. And I definitely felt that desire. He's he's there and he's ready. But I also noticed he really made a point of saying how important it was with Nolan and Snyder. And I almost felt that was a way of him saying, and that's how it's going to work in the future if you want to do it right. That could be me reading into whatever I want to. That's fine. But since we've already brought Snyder versus the Conversations episode, I'm happy to build on it. Brad, what do you think?
0: You know, I just makes me really appreciate the craft of acting. I, I think sometimes as viewers, uh acting can be something we kind of take for granted. But there is a lot of prep and kind of analysis of the characters they're playing. And I really like the things he had to say about how he approached the character and like you're saying with the costner scene and all that. It wasn't just a matter of him coming in and Putting on the Superman suit and saying, oh, I'm going to be Superman now. It was a lot of thinking really deeply and hard about where the character is coming from and the motivations and um, his mindset. And I really it's something I really appreciated about this interview, that it wasn't something that was taken lightly. Uh, he really did respect the character. And, uh, you know, that I that, that that's what jumped out at me about about this interview. And next up, we got the news that the uncut version of Birds of Prey is returning to HBO Max, so you won't be stuck with the cable version anymore. Uh, what do you think of this?
1: Let's see the real thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the right. great part about an uncut. You know, the hey, you know, let's play for exactly what it was intended to be, not shaped by, you know, somebody else's, you know, direction or... Any other approach that they have after it's done it was done a certain way. this is what the goal was i I think it's a great thing for fans of birds of prey um for me i I've got HBO max but when it came out, I wanted to support this tool I bought it online you know I bought it streaming uh, I think I've got it on one of the platforms, and I've got it now on HPX max is uncut like not not to enjoy about that. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Why not bring the original back? Uh, They say that it was a mistake. And I was wondering, was it that they think that maybe they would just get more viewers if people didn't have to worry about their kids watching it so much? So I don't know. But I think that, yeah, I think that there's definitely no reason to have the cable version up there, really. I think you need the uncut version. And uh, I don't blame fans for being upset about that. So I'm glad that it was rectified. So Guys, if that kept you away from watching it on HBO Max, the real version's there, so knock yourselves out. And I think that uh, that's a a good thing. And we also got news uh, that Zack Snyder's final crisis tease that he did might be tied to Jim Lee's crisis tease from fandom. So, hmm, what's, uh, what's what's your take on this? What do you think's happening here?
1: Oh, man, it's like <laughs> it's like a peekaboo thing. Like you just get a tiny peek and suddenly everyone goes nuts. Now, it, it makes complete sense that if you were to, you know, zoom in on the image, notice the final crisis back there behind the turkey, sort of feel like, OK, is, it, is the turkey a distraction? Is this all something? And then you go back to that puzzle and, you know, that Jim Lee said, well, just move some pieces around and see what catches your attention. Um, I I think this is a nod. I mean, I really, I really think that there's a feeling that Zack Snyder has proven that he can go up against the toughest critics of his work and come out the other side a proven, you know, like a tested thing. Um, He did it with his Snyder cut that that cemented his ability to fly in the face of any doubt, concern or possibly years later years after he'd already finished it and confidently with a couple of reshoots. So I, I think he has no problem saying, yeah, start thinking about it. Just consider the possibilities and um, keep your eyes open because apparently this is how I like to do things sometimes. Between me and Jim Lee, we can really create some teasers for you. I think fans are frenzied. I think it's a great thing uh, for the possibility of the project i think it's great things for fans i think it's great thing for dc and i hope the frenzy continues to build i mean i feel like he's become quite the master of his own marketing so i feel like if we just look forward to whatever he starts hinting at next and i'm sure with black adam with flash with so many other projects coming up the teasers will continue to build and he knows how to connect things in a very very impressive and efficient way so yeah, I I think we have something to look forward to. What about you?
0: Yeah, you know, I go back to what I said, where half, you know a lot of the fun for me of being a fan of this kind of stuff is the speculation and these little hints. So I, I just I, I love the idea of Zack Snyder being involved somehow. And yeah, I think it might be tied up uh, tied together. It's obviously going to involve some kind of crisis. Um, I you know personally, what I would love is. If Zack Snyder would write some kind of crisis series um, that could take place in the regular comic DC universe, it doesn't have to take place in the Snyder universe. And I think personally, I would like it better if it didn't, because I'm still holding out that he'll be able to actually return to the Snyderverse on film. But I would like to see his take on like a big crossover kind of big event book. Uh, and, you know, with a, with a crisis in the title, it's going to be some big stakes and I think he would do a great job. So, yeah, I think, I think that no matter what, this is going to be a a cool announcement and I hope we get to hear more soon. I hope like it's something that they plan, you know, in the first few months of January, kind of like future state was, uh, this year. So I, that's probably a stretch at this point. It might be later in the year, but I'm looking forward to more news on this for sure. And that wraps up uh, our our movie news uh, for this episode. We're going to take a quick break, hear from some sponsors. And when we get back, we will move on to the TV streaming news. So stick around and we'll be right back.
1: This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News. Here to tell you about The Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where The Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us. Right here on the DC Comics News Podcast.
2: What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News.
3: I am Tony Hasty for this show.
2: And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late-night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe.
3: We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Your discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot.
2: Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our 100th <laughs> joke. <laughs> <laughs> Second Here's <moment>. hoping.
3: <laughs> We're gonna have guests on this show. We're gonna be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff, let's go. Off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything you off, want. Off Anything you cup.
2: want. Scooby Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about.
3: That's what the show is about. We're gonna That's be talking good. about. We're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go.
2: No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I
3: didn't
2: want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going wa- to. Scooby Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you were a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo.
3: Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes.
2: Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- un- unseasonable Santa hat except it's season whatever check us out
3: (laughs) not getting rid of the santa hat available
1: exclusively on youtube
0: and welcome back to episode 142 of the dc comics news podcast we talked movie news and now we are moving on to the tv and streaming news and first up is that we got the first uh, we got some first pictures of one of the Batwoman's poison ivies. Seth, what would you take? What do you think of this image?
1: Ah, uh, was a really cool image. I mean, you know, clearly a lot of thought and attention, detail. I I really um, I'm gonna keep my statements pretty short because I feel like there's a flicky fashion commentary about to come into uh play here now you know i i I wasn't the biggest fan of the midriff and the shorts i kind of feel like that's something eh. i understand their style and, and things like that but that was probably my only you know sort of commentary like that's something you can always fix or you know adapt or who knows but other than that I thought it was a really cool uh, design and I love the presentation of the character. Now, Brad, what's your thoughts my friend?
0: You know, I didn't necessarily mind the shorts and the midriff. Um, and I, I think reason why is that uh, Colbank's character in Batwoman is pretty innocent and pure and uh this this version definitely shows like a different side to that character one that you wouldn't expect so it really is showing kind of how the poison ivy uh persona has taken her over um i i, I kind of dig the gloves i think overall the image is pretty cool i like the um the venus flytraps that are around and you know, kind of the look on her face is definitely a side that we have not seen uh, seen before. So, uh, yeah, me, I, I I like this and I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, and I'm looking forward to when we get to see the other Poison Ivy as well. And uh, continuing on with the Batwoman news, uh, we get a little news about a new Joker. For season three, in the mid-season finale, uh, what uh, what was your take on this?
1: I think the the one thing that stuck out the most for me on this is the story about how he he gets the role, right? The actor gets the role, and he's like, yeah, I'm I'm doing this. I've got my character figured out. I'm ready. And I'm flying in soon. And then I get a FaceTime call and I find out I'm the new Joker. I mean, (laughs) that probably had to be my favorite part. You know, it it takes me back to some of those moments where we've been able to catch, you know, some great video. Uh, uh, I have trouble remembering the director of the Flash movie that's coming up. But when he did that video call... um, the actor is going to be portraying Supergirl and that announcement we got to see it in real time or you know captured on video in real time that was that was huge and that was the closest I could come to imagining what this actor felt like when you know he was pretty sure he was confirmed for one thing and then he found out he's actually doing so much more and not only that but an iconic take on an iconic character um, that you get to make your own you know you, you look around at who else has played Joker and It's quite the fun range to, uh, consider and then, you know, build on Man, I thought that was really fun. What'd you think?
0: Yeah, that's what jumped out at me too. I mean, that's a lot of pressure that you weren't necessarily expecting because like you said, Joker is such an iconic character and there has been so many iconic portrayals of the Joker on film or TV. So getting that thrown on you, that's, that's a lot to have to digest and, uh, you know, it, it might be one of those things that certain actors, if they knew that that was coming down the pike, that they wouldn't do it. But the fact that they kind of dumped this on him, that's kind of, um, well, you know, kudos to him because he just really stepped up. And, you know, one thing that is a real strength for the Batwoman show is how they introduce these cool takes on uh, DC characters. But uh, we should say Batman characters specifically like professor pig we got black mask um you know we got killer croc so it's, it's really cool how they weave these in and it's cool that they found a way to to bring the joker into it too so yeah I, I think that this is a show that is uh still on the way up in a way like i think i think the seasons have actually gotten better so this will be a really fun thing to see them explore in you know in this third season. So yeah yeah I'm I'm I, I, I'm really liking the season. So yeah I, I like that we're gonna get to see the Joker. Keeping up with Batwoman news. Another story is that there was mention of the Swamp Thing. So fans are hoping that there is closure with the canceled TV series. Uh, so Seth, are you looking forward to the possibility of Swamp Thing returning?
1: I am, but it was hard to really get the sense that there is anything more than some guest appearances in the near future for him, uh, based on what we were hearing from those interviewed in the article. The idea of um, maybe having him appear in a Legends of Tomorrow episode or perhaps on another series, which is nice to an extent. I mean, the more the character can be around, um, the more interesting, and, and I really appreciated what Mark Guggenheim said. You know that idea of, hey, actually, I really fought, as he describes it, to to get Swamp Thing on for Crisis on Infinite Earths because you've got Constantine, and to have Constantine and to not have Swamp Thing just felt like a great missed opportunity. Um, and he had let us know, you know when we interviewed him how many different characters that he had fought for that didn't happen, that he wasn't going to go into it about. Here's yet another one. Um, Do I have hope that the character could return in his own show? Yeah, because there were years that went by when the Snyderverse was, you know, a joke. When the idea of, you know, bring the Snyder Cut was one of those things that seemed fanciful. And it happened. The fans were relentless. Um, If that's all it takes, I think we can get the Swamp thing back as a show back on the air for fans to enjoy, especially on a platform like HBO Max. Um, even though right now it's with CW, I I feel like Max would be the way to go. And I I think it's a possibility, but right now it seems like they're going to see how the fans respond to those guest opportunities, to which I say, if you're a fan and you're listening, every time you hear about Swamp Thing, watch it. Especially if you want the show to come back on as its own series, because it's only fan response. It's really going to dictate that. And um, that's how you make the difference. Watch, tell friends, get them to watch, you know, Get a uh, campaign going. I'll sign up. Tag me. I'll happily <laughs> add my signature. But at the moment, it appears they're not pushing for a series. And right now, they're going to be happy if they can get guest appearances when it fits and build audience familiarity. That that was kind of my take from it. I don't know. What would you get from it?
0: You know, uh, one of the dumbest moves that Warner Brothers or... Whoever holds, you know, pulls these strings made in the entire time that we've been doing this podcast is that they canceled the Swamp Thing series right when it hit the DC Universe streaming service back in the day. That was such a dumb move because when they put it on the CW, it got a lot of fan response and people really liked it. And if they would have given it a chance, it might be back for season two. So I'm hoping that they would kind of use this as maybe a backdoor way to kind of suss out uh, the interest in the character returning for his old series. So I'm going to hold out hope and say that maybe we we will get another chance at a Swamp Thing series. Uh, You know, if like you were saying, they can do guest appearances and if those guest appearances get a lot of fan reaction, maybe they'll rethink the canceling thing and, and bring it back. Uh, you know, and you brought up Constantine, you know, Constantine was canceled after one season, but everybody loved his portrayal and they were able to bring him back in some real cool ways. So I really hope that they can do that with, um, Swamp Thing. And like we're saying, if you want Swamp Thing, watch these episodes, you know, so I, I really, I really hope that he gets his due because I think that was a just, it was, it was just not right. And, they missed a really big opportunity there. So hopefully, you know, they'll get a chance to rectify that. And the next uh, bit of news here is that uh, Maya Queen is returning in part five of the Flash a little crossover event Armageddon. Uh, are you are you looking forward to seeing Maya Queen come back?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I really loved her portrayal and. Uh, in the final episodes of Arrow, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of disappointment that the spin-off that they were hoping for didn't pan out. But this is yet another one of those examples like we were just talking about with Swamp Thing. You know, if that's a, this is a character that you want to see again somewhere. Tune in, watch, you know, let your voice be heard on social media. And... You never know how much that response can dictate whether or not we'll get to see her appear on legends of tomorrow or other programs and and maybe actually you know build that similar drive to getting a series in the future i really thought she came with a lot of energy to her. I, I really thought she you know fought hard to make her case for a series that came after. And um, I think she's still going to make a, a great impression and presence on Armageddon. It's been such a fun series so far. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, what do you think, my friend?
0: Yeah, I love that they're keeping these threads from the original Arrow series alive and around. And I was hoping, too, that, that uh, she would get her own series or some kind of continuation. So I, I love the idea that she's coming back. And hopefully, again, maybe this will lead to, you know, other things down the road if there's a good response to coming back. And and I think there will be. I think that Arrow had such a loyal fan base that they'll be tuning in for this. So I think it's, it's good news all around that she's coming back. And up next, uh, Amy Jo Johnson of Power Rangers fame is going to be directing uh, an episode in season two of Superman and Lois. So, uh, what do you think of The Pink Ranger coming back to direct some episodes?
1: Oh, I think it's really cool. I had no idea that she had moved into uh, independent films and that um, she's been going at it, it looks like, since around 2013. Um, Bringing that sort of experience, and I think what always is kind of neat about India is it's sort of like a DIY, make it as you go, learn (laughs) how to, you know, bootstrap a, a budget that that sort of understanding then, as she says, you bring it into a well-oiled machine like uh, Superman and Lois. I think the fun thing is she'll be able to sort of play around with what they have and maybe look at it in a different light than a regular series director might, who hasn't had to, you know, figure things out along the way. Her experience could be something where she's saying, yeah, but you know what, for, you know, a very simple, cost of budget and a couple of really efficient ways of doing things we can stretch some stuff and and have a bit of fun and not have it you know break the bank so those kind of possibilities and the way she's going to view the episode and and portraying it i think that's going to be something that's really going to benefit from her indie experience what do you think
0: yeah i you know i'm like you i didn't know that she was moving into directing and i i I love the idea that she's staying kind of loyal to fandom because I think that you know she's got a lot of fans in this world that grew up watching her on Power Rangers. So I like that she's kind of keeping it at least in the same wheelhouse somewhat. Um, I, I i would I would like to see her continue on with this. And I would like to see her you know directing uh, you know indie films and things like that. And you know you you were talking about the DIY ethic. But I, I think that you know, as a DIY director, she'll probably know how to really use time well and work uh, according to a budget. So I think that that it's a smart move bringing some, someone like her in. so uh, I, i'm I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what she can do. And up next, we uh, we are getting a remastered a uh, Blu-ray set of the Batman The Complete series in February. Uh you going to be watching this?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think this is something you can, you know, find me enjoying. And, I mean, you know, if, if getting this series wasn't, like, a reason enough, check out the featurettes. <laughs> I know you were, you know, scanning through those. Um, pretty impressive stuff in there. You know, the whole idea of, well, all these different ways to take a look, not only behind the scenes, but to have some, you know, fun and games with the idea of. Uh, so, who is Batman? And uh, what happens when someone like Detective Ellen Yeon is uh, investigating that? <laughs> I think these are great ways to just have fun with the material and also to give fans an added bonus. When they pick up the series and they can enjoy all of that fun stuff. How about you, man? Is this going on? Uh, this going on your bookshelf?
0: Yeah, man. I, I I really dig these bonus features, like you were saying, these little featurettes, and uh, the the quizzes will probably be uh, a lot of fun. And I and I like the featurette, the idea that they are kind of examining the team ups part of it uh, and how they uh, approach bringing that part of the comic books to to the show so i think that will be cool and the gotham pd case files where you know profiles are the most of uh, the villains so yeah this looks like a this looks like a really fun set and i know that it had like a, a a cult appeal too um where batman the animated series was this huge mainstream for lack of a better word thing the batman had more of a um uh, and not underground, but a little bit quieter audience, but it was still very, very fervent, and they really loved it. So I think that um, they're going to eat this up too. So I think, yeah, I think these bonus features uh, are cool, and this is going to be a really, uh, really cool set. And uh, next, uh, this should be a good one. Uh, we are going to be getting a Bebo Saves Christmas animated special. Uh which i'm sure a lot of fans can't wait for uh and uh looks like he wants bibo versus the groundhog so what was what was your takeaway from this
1: i am so down you had me at ernie hudson is playing santa claus and then just for bonus yvette nicole brown and chris katan like come on man this is designed to just make you laugh Mm -hmm. have a good time Uh, you know, I love the idea of Bebo getting his own little spinoff. Um, I mean, he's been such an enjoyable character since first appearing on Legends. And I think, uh, (laughs) I think fans who have enjoyed every appearance he's made since are going to just, you know, queue up their recorders, grab this one. And, um, I mean, this could be a new Christmas annual tradition, right? Like Bebo saves Christmas. Time to put it back on, guys. It's Christmas time. Bebo, this and Christmas story. What do you think, man?
0: I think that no matter what, for me, that will become a tradition. Yeah, I. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite stories of the week. Yeah, you were saying, like, how can you not laugh when you look at the the voice cat or the you know that we're getting? And I love the idea that this is the Arrowverse's first uh, animated special. So this is there's nothing to dislike about this. I. Uh, You know, this is definitely going on on uh, on the DVR for sure. And our last bit of TV streaming news, there is going to be a Peacemaker themed obstacle course at uh, San Diego Comic-Con special edition. What do you think of this?
1: I feel this is a great way to combine like the Peacemaker series with uh, what is it? Uh, American Ninja. Um, That, that, you know, obstacle course contest that they have on television all the time. And you just see a lot of people give their best and usually end up, you know, falling somewhere potentially painfully. Um, What a a great idea to also have it be like, yeah, Peacemaker's proving ground. Like this is where you show whether or not you're even Peacemaker caliber. (laughs) And, And I love the over exaggerated machismo behind it. You know, this whole idea of like, how tough are you? Are you Peacemaker tough? And, uh, you know, this is a guy, of course, who is willing to do all sorts of incredible and incredibly violent things in the name of peace. So what's going to be expected of you could be could be pretty challenging. What did you think, man?
0: Yeah, if I was there, if I was going to be at Special Edition, I'd definitely go through this. I think it's it's such a fun way to promote the series. Uh, I, I, I think fans will like it and I'm hoping that if they're going to use, you know, do do promotions, uh, at special edition, maybe we'll get, uh, another trailer or more footage to go along with it. So yeah, I think, um, you know, like you said, this is a very, very fun way to, to promote the show. And, uh, and with that, we are going to take another quick break to once again hear from sponsors so stick around and we'll be right back with some comic book news
3: first there was the dc comics news podcast then came the spitter rack and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff i just mentioned i am the knight a story about the stories a show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher.
1: Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Book, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley Quinn? Quinn? What have we learned from
2: this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, go And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle nuts. I definitely do not that f- In need of an adult-sized nemesis.
0: Humans make good fertilizer.
2: You can't f- with Lois Lane. For f- sake, I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers.
1: Mmm, educational and informative.
0: Moving on to some comic book news for episode 142 of DC Comics News Podcast. And up first in the comic uh, news section, uh, DC has announced that it's official that Aquaman is getting a new series in 2022. Uh, What do you think, Seth? you going to read this?
1: Sounds like a great series. I mean, definitely sounds like something that could make its way on the spinner rack. Um (laughs) and I love the fact that they're embracing like, hey, there's Batman, there's Superman, like, why can't there be Aquaman? And um I think this is a cool series. I like the concept they're suggesting. Um, I like that it's connecting the threads that we've already seen and stuff like Black Manta. And I also like this idea of a rogue agent and how we're uh we're gonna get a chance to see, you know, a little bit more of really popular characters like Mara uh Tula Tempest I think it's a really cool concept and I'm looking forward to seeing you know just how far the story is going to go because I know they've been doing some really cool stuff with Aquaman Um, they've been doing some really cool stuff with Jackson Hyde who is the new Aquaman so uh Aquaman sounds like a really smart way to keep on unwrapping this world and showing uh, just how much more it has for us to enjoy plus there's still that stuff from future state I'm waiting to happen like I know that's got to be coming our way soon, and um, this seems like a perfect way to get us there. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's. I think you're exactly right. I think this is is going to get us there to what we saw in in Future State. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, and I, I really like how they've kind of been building up to this through you know the the um, the Aquaman becoming serious Jackson Hyde. And uh, the Black Manta Limited series and things like that, so I think they've really been building up in cool ways to the series, so I think there's a lot of potential here. So yeah, you know once again, uh, this is probably one that I will be uh, will be picking up, and we're gonna continue on here with Aquaman News in that uh, issue three of the becoming it looks like Jackson Hyde has a new member of the family that he did not necessarily know about. So Seth, have you been reading uh, The Becoming? And what do you think of this?
1: I have, and I think it's I think it's going to be a pretty amazing reveal. I mean, it, in many ways, it's a classic dynamic within comics. Um, and let, let's be honest, you know, in, in so many ways, it's a dynamic that more and more people have probably experienced regarding family. Uh, during the past few years where there have been some really polarizing issues and topics and positions. And um, I, I think there's there's a great thing to be considered in that. Yes, this is something that many comics fans have seen in so many different types of stories. And yet timeliness also feels like an interesting one, because whenever there's a challenge of what you had compared to what I didn't have um, There's a real emotional connection that readers can make with what that means also for uh, the character of Jackson Hyde. And I think this reveal is going to be really interesting. I think, um, you know, family is sometimes the most challenging to be at odds with. So what did you think? Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, I, I thought it was a very effective cliffhanger in issue three. Uh makes me definitely excited for issue four and I think that this this reveal is gonna be something that can lead into some really cool things, uh both for the remainder of this limited series and in that new uh Aquaman series that is coming out. So I think it's it's a very interesting uh, developments that are gonna happen to these characters, and I think that you know we we have an Aquaman movie coming out at the you know in the end of 2022. So you know 2022 in DC Comics might be a very important year for the Aquaman character. So I think there is going to be a lot in store uh, over the next year as we come closer to the movie and and you know this this new series. And we also uh got uh, some news about uh, a new anthology series coming out in time for valentine's day called dc's
1: weird love tales so seth is this an issue you're going to be reading buy it just buy it dc anthology like right there i don't even know what the point is of having the conversation go beyond dc anthology boom buy it pick it up thank us later <laughs> be grateful that these anthologies for around for as long as they are hope they never go away Um, And and what a great way to take a twist on weird war tales And make it weird love tales Because let's be honest, man Whether you're in it, out of it, wanting it, had it, lost it Love is weird Love is just, it's that thing It's the one thing that we can definitely say Will make any sane person completely irrational And we all get it You've been there Whether it's requited or unrequited Man, love will get weird What did you think, man? You had me at
0: anthology. I didn't have to read anything else at the anthology. I'm there. And I love the cover of Harley Quinn facing down a T-Rex. Uh, you know, yes, indeed. Like we've said this many times in the podcast, but man, they uh, really nail the anthology books. Like, you know, they, they just they've all been great so this this looks like it's going to be right there with um you know the, those great dc books and i guess facing down a t-rex is probably the wrong way to describe it she is, looks like she's giving him some some candy so i shouldn't say facing down a t-rex but the that cover that cover is is great so i'm, I'm yet again this is something that i'm that i'm looking forward to it's like you, whatever it seems like DC can do no wrong in my eyes these days. Uh, you know, it's like we always say, good time to be a DC fan. And uh moving on in the comic book news, uh we're going to see DC characters paired with milestone heroes and real life black historical icons, uh, for a black history month special. So will you be reading this?
1: Definitely, Um, this is such a smart move. I think it's one of those things that, you know, Milestone came back into existence for, you know, one, because they've created such an amazing group of characters whose stories um, fans like me have been waiting to see more of. Um, And and I even, I love that they're saying like, so many people are like, so when's Blood Syndicate showing up? Like, what's the holdup, man? Like some of us have been waiting for certain titles. And I think in the meantime, I think this is a brilliant idea. Um, yeah, I think on on top of the fact that you've got the, the giant compendium, which I definitely yeah, am setting aside room in my budget for. Yeah, I am shameless going to be picking, shamelessly going to be picking that up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I have no problem. Uh, but this is such a smart way to also give history in a format like comics and to tell these amazing tales. Cause I mean, you know, keep in mind who these figures are, everyone from Hannibal, Queen of Sheba, uh, Alexander DeMoss, um, and the story of Eugene Bullard, which is one that every once in a while I'll, I'll see pop up again. And I'm reminded of, and I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, how many stories like that just, you know, they exist and they're just waiting for the chance to be told in a way that that fans can engage with and that fans of comics can engage with in a medium that they already love and with a history, I'm I'm sure they're going to love when they read these stories. What did you think about it, man?
0: Man, yeah, this might be one of those that I read as I'm in line to check out at the comic shop before I even leave the store. Uh, It's such a cool idea. I I think this might be one of those things, one of those stories that kind of... um, gets reported on outside of the comic book world uh you know that that happens kind of often i think this one is worthy of that i think it's such a cool idea to mix the milestone characters with the dc characters with real life icons uh brilliant a brilliant idea and it's kind of those things that comic characters do so well to stand for these you know to to be this kind of beautiful mythology and mixing that with real people that tell stories and, and uh, give lessons and information, I think it's, it's a great idea. Yeah, this is, this is definitely one that I'm looking forward to. And keeping on with the Black History Month theme that we've got um, coming up early next year is that we are going to get some, uh, some Black History Month uh, variant covers in February uh what uh, what do you think of this uh nubia cover
1: That's phenomenal really and that uh variant cover for nubia and the amazons number 5 is, is absolutely gorgeous um and man getting the chance to see all of these other variant covers that they've got planned for february green lantern i am batman um flash aquaman um, action comics 10-4, like man that's going to be a huge uh, huge experience to, to grab and put in your collection, and just man, <laughs> make note you know, check the list, check the box, contact your shop. Um, get these because that one for me, the newbie and the Amazon's number five one is so gorgeous that I was like, Yeah, that's really easy. Now I just want the rest. What about you, Beth? Oh, yeah,
0: the the these covers are good. I can't wait to see more of them. Uh, I I think. Uh, you're going to really blow people away. And I, I do have a feeling that those will be the covers that I pick up for the issues that come out that month. I, I, um, I, I just have a feeling and man, Nubia, the artwork in the book is great. The writing's great, but man, those covers so far, the series have just been incredible. And this cover is just right up there. I, I've just, I, I I'm loving those covers. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to picking those up and, like you said, adding them into your collection uh, for sure. And up next, uh, we got uh, some news that DC is going to be celebrating the Lunar New Year with a gold-trimmed red envelope gift
1: of Monkey Prince's first issue. Uh, what do you think about this? Such a smart idea, um, you know, I've mentioned it before. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and one of the traditions that is um, really just ingrained in the fabric of the community is the uh, Lunar New Year. And I've I've had neighbors, I've got neighbors now. I've had neighbors in the past. I've had places that I would go to, and as soon as we get close, you just start seeing more and more red envelopes. And once you learn, you know what these mean. This this gift of prosperity that is shared among family and and given, you know, from old to young and young to old. And it's just this expression of gratitude and hope for a promising new year and for great fortune. And it's such a a cool idea to then take that and introduce the first issue of uh, The Monkey Prince, which I thought was one of those great, you know, great stories in the the anthology recently where where he premiered and, and now we're getting to do this. And it's such a smart move. I'm like, wow. That's a really great, you know, way to tie the two together and also bring some attention for anyone else who's not familiar with Lunar New Year, the red envelopes, what the meaning is, and also how you can then use that as a great entry point into what I'm figuring is going to be a big part of this character, which is uh, the culture that uh, he's part of, because it's also a story about a dual identity and a young boy who uh, has to keep, you know, his existence as the monkey prince a secret. But it's, it was also so ingrained, the idea of these elements of his culture. One of the strongest points, I think, from the anthology was uh, the, the food and the connection of family and community through food. This is another great introduction. I'm going to stop spewing because I just got really excited. Brad, what would you think?
0: Yeah, this is a really, like you said, a really, really cool idea. I I, I love the idea. I, do, I, I, I just wonder how um, – How hard that's going to be to get a hold of? Is it going to be like a rare thing that collectors are really going to go for? Is it kind of like a 50-50 thing? Because I think that I will try to grab one of those, you know, if I see it in in the shops. And I might grab like a regular one and one in the envelope so that I can keep it sealed in the envelope because that's just it's such a it's such a cool idea. And uh, I've never seen anything like that it, anything celebrating the lunar new year and in, in comics like that ever so i think that's a really uh really cool idea and i'm looking forward to the monkey prince title as is so yeah this that's such a cool idea and up next uh looks like deathstroke is going to become king deathstroke in uh 2022 and he's going to have his own army uh what do you uh what do you uh make of this
1: well, of course he's going to have his own army. Come on, man. Deathstroke's been at this for a while. And he's, you know, one of those characters who uses so much of his brain. He's so smart that at some point he's like, yeah, I'll just be in charge. I'll have an army. We're just going to – that's how I'm going to handle it from now on. And it totally fits with the persona. Um I love that great image that they share that cover. Man, I mean, uh if you're fans of – well – sword and sorcery a little bit of you know sword slinging um if you like anything that falls into that genre you're gonna love this cover and i think you're probably just as equally gonna love uh deathstroke the king or king deathstroke well what did you think about this announcement and uh, what we can expect
0: oh i think it's about time he's always been such a formidable villain and uh, I, i think it is time he becomes royalty and does have his own army and uh, you know, I like how they kind of described it like a Conan the Conqueror style. So I, I think that's a cool take on the character. So, uh, yeah, I, I think yet again, this is another series that I'm going to be um, picking up. A- and the idea, you know, it, the, the headline says in 2022. So, this is another thing that I'm wondering if maybe this is leading up to some kind of crossover event where. Heroes have to unite to to battle Deathstroke, uh, you know, a little later in the year. So we'll see. But there's uh, there's cool things uh, coming down the pike. And our last bit of comic book news uh, looks like we are getting a Wonder Woman versus Justice League. uh, uh, Fight coming in uh, 2022. Uh, What was your take away from this?
1: yeah this is a really cool concept um i i i always feel that whenever they they position a story like this with with someone like wonder woman taking on the justice league and then they reference some great examples in the past where she's taken down members of the team in order to prevent them from a uh, horrible fate and taking on the challenge on her own that's just kind of who wonder woman is it also tells me that even if there are These, uh, you know, somewhat unnamed forces directing her into this challenging and requiring her to stand trial for humanity. And then, you know, as part of that trial, go through a series of trials. That means to me that knowing Wonder Woman, knowing her mission, knowing what she's, you know, experienced from mortality to immortality to godlike being on a couple of occasions to her recent adventures, She's going to handle this in a way that's going to be classic in one respect and then very original in the other, because these these tests are so often not just about, you know, physical might, but the the understanding of what's important, why it's important and how that can be the deciding factor. So I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm happy to say, OK, it's fine. I can give more blood when I donate. It's OK. I can pay for this. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe there's some other stuff I can sell. I got some great socks. anybody need a pair of socks? Brad, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, uh,
0: you know, Diana is such a uh, moral character, uh, very, very driven by a high moral code. But she's also a formidable enemy. Uh, that you there's certain sides of her that you don't want to get on and we saw that with what happened with what you did to uh to uh uh Maxwell Lord you know before Infinite Crisis uh, and uh I, I think that that is something we're going to see in this so yeah i i'm really absolutely looking forward to this i think this this could be um a very important Thing to happen for the character so yeah i will definitely be reading uh, reading this for sure and now we've got two uh other news stories coming up uh first is that mcfarland toys unveils uh arkham knights uh figures so uh what was your takeaway from this
1: i mean they're really cool um i'm not the biggest um, I don't play Arkham Knights, I'm I'm familiar with it through you guys, you know, whenever we talk about um, different things related to it, so that's always been a cool in for me, but I was really digging the approaches to these uh, costumes, the way they're portrayed, I think probably the, the Robin one gets me the most, it just feels like it's both familiar and and very original, um, you know, it's not something I normally see in comics, but I really dig the style, um, everything else about the characters was pretty amazing just in the way that they're presented you know the the detail is unbelievable the uh the things you get with them whether it's uh you know tim's staff or uh nightwings scream or (laughs) you know red hood who's pretty much just always going to have a gun um yeah you know i i thought it was a really cool really cool way to think about capturing these characters from the arkham knights games and then bring them to life in the figures what did you think man
0: yeah yeah absolutely uh i man McFarlane toys have just been knocking it out of the park with these figures we talk over and over again just how much you know the detail and everything and these are uh great i like how you said it's kind of modern but feels classic Uh, you know absolutely uh and, uh, you know, I, I like that we're getting kind of an idea of even more so what these characters are going to look like in the game. Uh, because we've seen some gameplay and stuff, and like, but, you know, it, this is a whole different view of these characters, and I'm I'm really liking it. And if anything, this makes me really more excited for the game. So I can't, uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to playing this. And, and McFarlane Collectors, you have a whole new line of really cool toys to pick up. And uh, last bit of news, speaking of games, uh, looks like uh, Warner Brothers has announced uh, a new game, the Multiverses uh, game. So uh, what, did, uh, what did you think about this?
1: <laughs> you get to be Bugs Bunny and then punch at Superman or Batman or any other. Like, that's, <laughs> that's really pretty silly i love the fact that you can draw from all of these amazing classic characters um from warner brothers Uh, (laughs) and you've got all these great voices i mean it just seems like one of those silly fun things to enjoy uh the screenshots are a lot of fun um you can be everyone from harley to well you name it um (laughs) shaggy You've got some great options here, Uh, and overall, it just seems like this really fun thing, and it it says it's free, which I'm like, are are you kidding me? Are you absolutely kidding me? Like, I am so okay with that. (laughs) I have no problem with the idea of playing a game of this type that's going to be free, and if it's true, and if that's how it happens, man, I'm going to be... I'm gonna be really digging on it. Well, what do you think? Is this uh, something you can set aside some time for? Yeah, I'm kind of curious
0: about this. You to check it out. But you gotta, you gotta be a little leery of the f- free to play situation because a lot of times when games are free to play, they'll have purchases in game that will. Uh, kind of become a hindrance to playing it be kind of annoying so uh i, I want to see how that all plays out but in theory I, I like the idea i think i think video games are the 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 one medium where these crossovers can be really fun and work really well so yeah uh i uh so far i'm, I'm looking forward to this and i will uh will probably play it and with that we'll wrap up another episode of the dc comics news uh, podcast uh, but before we go uh steph where can people find you on the internet
1: oh look for me here writing reviews for dc comics news hanging out with the podcast weekly gang uh hosting episodes of the spinner rack hanging out with uh mad love all that kinds of fun stuff um yeah th- th- those are the best places to find me man especially when it comes to all this stuff how about you brett
0: yeah, you can find me writing news reviews at DC Comics News. Uh, you can find uh, uh, find me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And you can listen to me here on the DC Comics News podcast and the Mad Love uh, podcast, part of the DC Comics News podcast network. And as far as DC Comics News, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you, wherever you go for your podcasts, there we are. Uh, and uh, be sure to check out our other uh, shows on the podcast network. Uh, The Spinner hosted by uh, the one, the only Seth Singleton. Uh, I'm the Knight, an episode-by-episode analysis of the Batman animated series, and Mad Love, an episode-by-episode breakdown of the Harley Quinn animated series. So with that, We will say something that we always like to end episodes with, and that is two, three, more. (laughs) Come. All right, everybody. Until next week, have a good one.